Hi, I'm Dave Scott. I'm pastor of Crossway Community Church, and I want to welcome you. Crossway is a church simply committed to making disciples. We meet at 1501 Woodbury Road. It's off of Colonial and Fort Wayne in East Orlando. Come check us out. I look forward to meeting you. Uh, Don and I have been in Colorado. We had our global staff conference for the organization that I work with up in Estes Park. And then my brother and my sister live in Denver. She lives in Colorado Springs. And my mom lives with my brother. So we spent some time there. And then we had a couple days of vacation back up in the mountains, just uh, being with the Lord and resting and, and uh, getting some time away. And so that was, that was really good. Uh, Lord blessed us through that. So just want to thank you guys uh, for that. Uh, but uh, we missed y'all. And um, Donna's mom's husband, her second husband, passed away last weekend. And so Donna's in Sarasota. We got in late Thursday night. She went Thursday, Friday to Sarasota. She's there. She'll be back this afternoon. Um, her family gathered uh, there. And so you can just lift up her mom and pray for her um, during this time. <laughs> but um, anyway, uh, you know, uh, Donna's made a real controversial statement when we were there in Colorado. She said, this is the most beautiful state in America. <laughs> Being from North Carolina, I had to argue against that. <laughs> uh, my mom, uh, she, uh, my parents retired to the Blue Ridge Mountains uh, in North Carolina. And then, she, you know, um, my dad passed away. And eventually she moved to be with my brother in Denver. And uh, my mom has a funny saying. I think I already said it to you all before. She says, you know, that the Rocky Mountains represent God's wrath and the Blue Ridge Mountains re represent God's grace. <laughs> so so they, they definitely, the Rocky Mountains are definitely austere. And, and they are beautiful, that's for sure. Um, we uh, had a chance to go up in the Rocky Mountain National Park. This is uh, Fall River Road, which is that dirt road. Those of you guys from staff training have been up there before, I'm sure. Or some of you maybe in other vacations and stuff. Uh, really beautiful to get up above the tree line and the, and the snow. Um, and, and, and it was uh, really, really beautiful. We ha uh, were able to have um, the couple with us uh, from the Big Island, uh, who you're going to meet next week. Uh, our main leader's there, and he's going to be preaching um, and I'm really looking forward to that. It's going to be a treat. And, my, and his wife is going to be leading worship. And then next Sunday night at 6, we're going to have a sharing time here and a dessert from 6 to 8. I'm just hearing what God's doing there. And uh, we did one of those in Denver uh, after our, uh, the, the conference. And I uh, had about 20 different people gather together in my brother's living room and had just an incredible time of sharing. This is going to be really special. I encourage you not to miss that. They're also going to be hanging around the week after that, and so uh, trying to connect with different ones of y'all just to get some one-on-one -on -one time with them, allow you to get to know them. If you got time for lunch or breakfast or coffee, let me know, and we'll try to make that happen. Um, but, um, you know, uh, my summer, you enter into seasons, and they're not necessarily what you expected them to be, right? You go around a corner, and God's got something different for you than you had on your own agenda or your own, <laughs> that you'd written, penciled in on the calendar. And as you guys know, uh, from the beginning of this summer, um, you know, this summer started off hard for me. And, uh, and that surprised me uh, because it kind of came out of nowhere. And... Um, uh, and so God really um, wanted, he took me back to some, you know, some things that I thought I'd already, you know, processed and put away. And, and I was like, no, we want, we want you to go, I want you to go back and, and dig down a little deeper on that. Um, and and y'all been very gracious to, 
to uh, sit with me and hold me and, 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 and um, love me in the middle of that. Um, we've been talking about epic prayers of the Bible, and God's definitely been stretching my prayer life as well. Um, and one of, the prayers, one of the psalms that I've been meditating on, which is a prayer, is Psalm 13. Um, and I want to talk about that this morning. Um, and I want to talk about praying pain. Uh, we talk about prayer, uh, although biblically this is, a, is, is not an unusual topic for Scripture, it's, it's, it's unusual for us to think of prayer through the lens of pain. And uh, pain is not something that we're comfortable with in American culture for sure, uh, and in the church as well. Um, it's something that makes us uncomfortable. Um, and yet, we see in the Psalms again and again and again that pain was actually an avenue through which the psalmist uh, connected even deeper and deeper to God. And the question that I want to pose to you this morning um, is, is, as we go into this psalm is this. Is my God too fragile to be confronted by my pain? Is my God too fragile to be confronted by my pain? One of the speakers at our conference was Adam Young. He's the one who posed this question. He has a podcast called The Place We Find Ourselves, and I've picked up and been listening to that. Um, it's about how we, uh, through, through faith, can process trauma and pain, and, and I recommend that to you. And I, I'm still, i got a long way to go. <laughs> I went back to like three years ago, and now I'm just slowly, slowly listening to this podcast through. He doesn't have a book written, but he, he, he talks and interviews a lot of people like Dan Allender, Kurt Thompson, uh, a lot of great uh, Christian thinkers who, who've thought about this, this whole issue of how do we process this. But, you know, uh, this isn't anything new because the psalmist really sets the way for us in Psalm 13. And here's what the psalmist says. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long may I, must I make counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? He says in verse 3, Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Lift up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him, lest my foes rejoice, because I am shaken. He says, But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, because he has dealt bountifully with me. How can we use prayer, pain, as a way to actually grow and deepen our prayer life, to grow and deepen our walk with the Lord? The psalmist, I think, has a lot that we, to teach us that we can learn from. And the first thing, starting in verse 1 here, is he models for us that, in fact, we should pray despair. We should pray our pain. Um, he says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long may some take counsel my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long will my enemies be exalted over me? You know, uh, this is a prayer that the psalmist prays. It actually feels uncomfortable to us, right? I mean, uh, is this even biblical to pray? Is this something that a godly person can pray? And it raises this question and challenges us. Am I able to pray unedited prayers a pain to God. Can I pray unedited prayers? Are you comfortable praying? Are you praying unedited prayers to God? Or are you using the Christian spell correct, you know, the theological correct feature that's, oh, well, that's, that's a little uncomfortable. I can't say that to God. And, uh, 
after the first service, one of the members of Woodbury came and said, well, you know, it's kind of ridiculous that we think we should edit our prayers because God already knows our heart. He already knows what we're in the middle of, right? What do we think we're doing when we think that we've got to, uh, you know, be uh, theologically correct, or I don't know however you would say it, you know, maybe Christian culturally correct in the way we talk to God. Um, but we need to be real to God, and that's the bottom line, and that's what the, the psalmist is 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 modeling for us here. Um, one of the uh, the uh, commentators, uh, the commentaries on this passage said, the anguish of the soul is characteristic of a deep life of faith. David had a deep life of faith, and we certainly see again and again him communicating, reflecting, recording, journaling the anguish of his soul. And, um, you know, I think we like to push, you know, Christian band-aids and bumper stickers over a lot of things that are uh, very difficult, and we're not comfortable with the fact that anguish, a matter of fact, would be a significant part of spiritual formation and a path of discipleship. Um, We kind of think of it more like something that would be wrong with that, right? As if that is some sort of um, uh, uh, a problem. And uh, we look at um, Difficulty. We look at trials. We look at pain as an interruption. We don't see that as, in fact, normal. But that's what Jesus said, right? He said, "In this world, you'll have tribulation." Normalcy, in fact, this side of glory, between Eden and glory, you know, it, it is a broken world, and that's, in fact, what normal is. It's not normal in God's economy, not in God's kingdom, but it's normal in a broken world. And uh, thank God, as the psalmist is going to reflect here, it, God doesn't leave us there, and that's not the way that it's going to stay. Um, but he says four times, note in the passage in, the, in these two verses, how long? It's, he repeats this over again. How long? How long, O Lord, will you forgive me? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I make counsel in my soul and sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemies be exalted over me? You know, David is making a lament. And, of course, laments or lamentation is, is a genre of Scripture. It's a genre of prayer. Lamentations is a book in the Bible. It's a whole Bible, book of Bible uh, uh, that's dedicated to this kind of crying out to the Lord. And that's what David is doing here. He's praying his despair. He's praying uh, the, the questions that his heart uh, is struggling with to the Lord. And... Uh, um, uh, and then Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah does the same thing. In Isaiah chapter 49, starting in verse 14, uh, he records how, how Israel says this to the Lord. There's this dialogue that goes back and forth between Israel and Yahweh. But Zion says, that's, the, that's Israel, says, the, the Lord has forsaken me, my God, my Lord has forgotten me. And that's the same thing that David was saying, right, in these first uh, verses of Psalm 13. But then the Lord replies back. Yahweh answers back to Israel. Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Israel cries out, and we see this uh, you know, throughout the Old Testament, to the Lord, why have you forgotten me? Why have you forsaken me? Why have you hid your face from me? And God answers back. You know, can a mom forget her nursing child? How much more, even though that can happen, how much more 
I cannot because I have engraved you on the palms of my hand. And what has God engraved on the palms of his hands? Our pain, our brokenness, the sin that's done against us, the sin that we have committed, our fallenness, right? Your walls are continually before me. The walls of the city were what protected the city. And, of course, we know that Israel's walls had fallen down. They had to be rebuilt, right? And, and, and we all have walls, places that we feel are vulnerable, that are vulnerabilities in our life, places where we feel uh, that we um, are uh, you know, susceptible to either um, others or, or life crushing in on us. And God says, I see that. I see that. And, of course, he wants to be our wall, right? He's the one who wants to protect us. He is our refuge and our fortress, the God in whom we can trust. But it starts with us praying our pain, praying our despair, as David did here. Um, But then in verse 3, he says, Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. We should pray despair, but we also can pray Desolation. Desolation is the devastation, right, of prayer, of pain. How low it can take us, the darkness that it can take us into. And we're uncomfortable. The, the truth is we're uncomfortable with pain. Um, uh, you know, uh, in American culture especially, um, you know, as individuals, we want to ignore it, right? And we're professionals at being able to self-medicate it to be able to uh, preoccupy ourselves, entertain ourselves, do anything but deal with the brokenness in life. And even in Christian community uh, of the body of Christ, it's something that makes us feel uncomfortable, right? When somebody in a seer in a, uh, uh, a Bible study, a small group, and somebody shares something really difficult in their life, what do we want to do? We want to give them a Bible verse, right? We want to give them a bumper sticker. We want to give them some solution. Okay, well, this is the answer to your pain. Take one of these in the morning and call me. Yeah, call the doctor, right, right? Why? Because if they're experiencing that, that makes me feel uncomfortable. That threatens me. Um, but we should be able to um, embrace that because we need to be able to take that to the Lord. Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Lift up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Pain actually has a physical uh, consequence, a physical um, uh, fruit in our lives. One of the books that I've been reading is called The Body Keeps the Score. And it t- it's actually takes the history of PTSD and its diagnosis and its treatments, you know, with, with, uh, from the Vietnam War uh, until it was, when it wasn't even recognized or understood until where it is today. And talks about how the things that we go through actually biochemically change our body. We have physiological changes that, that, that the difficulties that we've gone through, and, and we may try to suppress it, we may try to forget it, but our body remembers. Our body remembers. And you know, one of the things for me, and this is the surprising part that God's taken me back to, you know, is um, for me to understand more in my own story um, of some things that I thought I had already processed and put away, but my body remembered. And it's now reminding me and saying, David, you can't, just, you can't just move on from this. You need to go and you need to deal with this. And you need to take this to the Lord. And the Lord wants to do some more heart surgery on this. Um, and so we need to listen. We need to listen to our bodies. We need to pay attention. And the psalmist here is saying, uh, you know, that uh, he doesn't want to sleep the sleep of death. He's dealing with depression. He's feeling the, the darkness of, of this. And he doesn't want to be left alone in it. One of the things that God gives us is each other. 
and, why, and we need each other. And community needs to be a Christian space where we build a space and hold a space to sit with one another through the difficulties of life. Just sit with one another. Right? Sit with each other's pain to validate it, right? To be with one another in the midst of it, even as Christ in the incarnation did and, and came and did that for us. Why? Because in us sitting with it and us hearing it from each other and listening and helping each other feel heard in that, we point each other back to God, that God also wants to sit with us in it. He's the one who wants to hear us. He's the one who wants us to be known, even in the middle of uh, the, 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 the tragedies and the brokenness of life as it crushes in on us, and that we can take it to God in prayer. You know, uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, was very, very transparent himself, very vulnerable about this. In 2 Corinthians 1.18, he says, We don't want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we've experienced. A lot of times, I, do, I don't want people to be aware of the affliction I've experienced, right? We want to hide that. We want to put on the mask. We want to put on this Christian persona. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself, Paul says. Ministry can... can be a great affliction. It can be um, utterly burdening. And, and, uh, and that's one of the things I've been processing this summer. And Paul's reflecting on it here. Um, and he's modeling it for us. Uh, and he's moving, he's leaning into it, right? Even in sharing it with the church at Corinth, who weren't exactly a safe audience for him, if you've, if you've studied First and Second Corinthians. Um, but he's, he's being real, and that's what we can be for each other. We can be the velveteen rabbit, right? His buttons are falling off, have to get sewn back on. We can be that for each other. Be real. Give each other the gift of being real. By my being real, it, gives, it makes it safe for you to be real. And when you're real, it gives me the gift that it's okay for me to be real. It's okay for us to not be okay. And there's a good book out there on that. You know, the church should have a sign on that says, No Perfect People Allowed, right? And, and my prayer, my desire for us, and, 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 and I've experienced this in you, but I pray that we'd be, you know, for others who come, we would be able to live that out as a cultural value here at, at Crossway to be that kind of place for each other. Um, C.S. Lewis said, pain insists to be attended to. Attention is one of the key words in spiritual formation, to attend to our hearts, to pay attention and C.S. Lewis says, pain insists on being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks in our consciences, but he shouts in our pains. It is the, his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. What has God been shouting to you? What is he trying to say to you? What is he trying to get across? And we want to shout at him, and the psalmist is, is doing that. The psalmist is being real. But what Lewis is saying is God's actually trying to communicate something back to us. Right? What is it that he wants to, to communicate to us? That he hears, that he knows, that he sees, that he loves us. He has not left us alone in our pain. And so we, he is a safe person, a safe presence for us to be able to bring that to him in prayer. Um, he goes on in verse 4 and says, Lest my enemies say I prevailed over him, and lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. We should pray imprecation and vindication. We're not comfortable praying imprecation. Many of the psalms are imprecatory psalms, if you studied the psalms. Um, you know, we talk about praying scripture, 
right? That's that, that would be something we wouldn't argue against. I don't think any of y'all would argue against that. But what about praying imprecatory prayers of the Psalms? Praying against our enemies. Praying vengeance on our enemies. Praying justice against those who have done injustice against us. And yet that's biblical. It's biblical. Now, it's not biblical for me to take vengeance, right? Because... Um, justice is mine, says the Lord, and I will repay. But it is healthy and biblical for me to pray against evil and to pray for vindication. Um, now, we, against me, I want to pray grace. <laughs> to God, I want to pray. I don't want to pray vindication and, and, and imprecation against me because, God, I, I need grace. But there are those you know, in this world who there is evil that we are coming up against. And uh, one of the things that uh, Adam Young talks about is the importance of naming those things that are that are our wounds, right? To actually name it, as opposed to leaving it in the shadows, the unknown, the unnamed, um, you know, the family secrets, the closets that we keep closed that we don't want to talk about. Um, it's important that we name it. It's important in our own walk with the Lord that we name it. It's important that we, together in community, name it for each other, that we validate. Uh, and point each other back to Christ, affirming what the difficulties that we've gone to is incredibly healing. When someone else says, yes, I see that in you. I, that, I, I, I hear that that happened to you. That was not right. Why is that? Because a lot of times it's very rare for people to stand up and name evil, especially when it happens in Christian circles. Uh, we, none of us like conflict. And to stand up and raise my hand and say, no, that's not right, I'm creating conflict by having to do that. It's just easier for me to go with the flow and not say anything, right? Say, well, I don't really know what happened. You know, maybe, you know, who, who's to say, right? But that's one of the ministries that we can have. And it's the ministry that God can have because he names it back to us. He, is, he names the, 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 the uh, injustice that's happened to us. And he stands for us. And um, so praying for vindication is, is a healthy thing. And that's what David models for us. And then he goes on to say, but I've trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. You know, it's interesting how David, how could he start where he started in verse one and two, and then end up here saying that he trusts in God's steadfast love. God's dealt bountifully with him. Do you see how it's only because he was real that now God's grace, his love, God's provision, God's protection is able to flood in as he's opened up those deeper parts, that now those deeper parts, can the, the love and the, and the mercy and the salvation of Christ can, can flow in. And we take the word salvation and we normally think of, you know, God forgiving our sins and giving us eternal life, restoring us to relationship with him, and it's certainly that. But in the Hebrew uh, mind, it was a much broader category. Salvation means that God makes us whole. He restores us, right? He takes the broken parts and he binds them back together again. I've trusted in your steadfast love. The word there in Hebrew is hased, and I've talked about hased. It's one of the most important theological words in the Old Testament in categories, and it's God's covenanted favor towards us. Even in the middle of our pain, the middle of our brokenness, God covenants his goodness towards us. He guarantees that based upon his own self, right? He is the deposit. He is the guarantee of his own love and favor. 
my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. Now, it's interesting that he says, shall rejoice. It's a, it's a, it's a future hope-oriented uh, rejoicing. It's not necessarily rejoicing that this is in my life right now. And we know David himself, you know, had continued to experience brokenness and, and difficulty all of his life. But he's able to look forward to the salvation that is to come, the salvation that God promises that God, uh, that though, you know, um, you know, uh, men can kill you, but they cannot take your soul. They can't, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. He will say, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully for me. You know, when I'm real with God, I also have to be honest about what God has done for me and his blessings that he has done and the ways in which he's met me and allow him to meet me in either deeper ways. Um, so we flew into Denver um, for the beginning of our vacation and I rented a car and I was really proud of myself because I got a really good deal on it. It was $41 a day and, uh, and it, was a, it was a Mazda 3. So I was like, all right, we can do that. That'll, that'll be fine for us. And I didn't do it through Hertz or Priceline.com. I found this website called Turo. I don't know if you've heard of Turo. Turo is sort of like the verbo for cars. You like rent a car. It's, you rent from an individual. And I was like, okay, we'll try that. Never done that before. And, uh, you know, it's, and the review's really good on the car. And, and so I was like, well, this is going to be a lot cheaper than it will be if I do it you know, at the airport. And uh, so I rented this car. And uh, when I started driving it, it was a manual transmission. That's probably why it was a good deal. But I've driven manual since I was 15 years old. I grew up on a farm, so that's like, that's not going to be a problem. And uh, so I was like, this is different. I've never driven a manual transmission that feels this way. I thought, okay, well, maybe it's because it's, you know, like some kind of newfangled electronic thing or I don't know, automatic clutch. I, it just, it, it wasn't like any clutch I've ever felt. And somehow we got it up to Estes Park, you know, all the way up the mountain. And... And but by that time I knew something wasn't right because like okay I'm sticking it in first gear guys, this clutch feels like a marshmallow. <laughs> My foot is all the way off the clutch. The the the, the stick shift is in first and the car is not moving. <laughs> Normally you know it, it would chug out and it would choke out. You right and you, you get you get the whiplash effect. You know when you do it wasn't moving. So I called up the owner. And I said, ma'am. I said I don't really understand how your car works. Uh, you know, is this something I, I, I don't get this? And she's like, oh, no, it's fine. She's like, uh, you know, that's, that's the way it is. And I'm like, well, I've driven a stick shift since I was 15, and that's not the way it should be. <laughs> she said, oh, well, it's the way it was since I bought it. I said, well, you know, I said, you need a new clutch. <laughs> and, uh, well, the problem with that was I was already in Estes Park, so I was stuck in Estes Park now without a car because obviously the next day we were supposed to, go up in the Rocky Mountain National Park, I knew that was not happening in that car. <laughs> so I was like, what are we going to do? Because I've got this couple that you're going to meet next week that I was hosting. We we're going to take them up in the National Park. And I'm like, you know, what, Lord, what are you going to do? So I called Turo, called the customer service, and they, they, they heard what had happened, you know, and had accredited it to my account. There's only one other replacement car with Turo in Estes Park available. And this is what it was. <laughs> It was a Porsche Cayenne. <laughs> S, S, Sport. E-Hybrid. And if you know anything about an E-Hybrid sports car, you know they're faster than even gas cars. So I went from a car that wouldn't move in first gear, a car that definitely moved in first gear, <laughs> a car that wouldn't move, to a car that would do 0 to 60 in under 5 seconds. 
Now don't ask me how I know that. <laughs> but, but God has a funny sense of humor. You know, one of the interesting things about salvation, and this is repeatedly seen in the scripture, is this ironic reversal, right? And it's true in our walk with the Lord. When it seems the darkest, God has a way of coming through and shining his light. I was really stressed about that car. I was, I was frustrated that we weren't going to go up the Rocky Mountain National Park. I had a ticket to be able to get in to do it. And then God, he, he said, oh, ye of little faith. When God closes a door, he opens a window. And we got, this is what we got to drive up Fall River Road in. Now, God doesn't provide it, promise us all Porsches and life. I'm not preaching the prosperity gospel, so don't send me that email, okay? <laughs> but, you know, it, it was just an illustration to me. It's like, okay, God, you're trying to get my attention here, and you want me to learn something. Uh, for sure, you want me to get my stress out and my aggression out uh, in this car. <laughs> and uh, It was very therapeutic. Uh, and, uh, um, but... Um, but, you know, God is that way. He promises that he is going to do something definitive about the evil and the justice of this world. And he already has. He's going to make right what is not right right now. But we have to go to him. We have to come to him. We have to open up the depths of our heart in order for his goodness to be flood in. You know, we call David the man after God's own heart. But to be a person after God's own heart, you have to let God own all of your pain. And that's what David really teaches us. That's what he models for us here in Psalm uh, 13. Um, the last day, last afternoon, Don and I had run, gone down to see Georgetown, this little mining town, and kind of walked along the streets in the morning. In the afternoon, we really wanted to get uh, to do something else. There's this hike that I'd read online about. I said, well, let's go try this hike. Unfortunately, we didn't get to the trailhead till 4 o'clock. If you know anything about Colorado, that's not a good time to start climbing. But I thought it's only a mile trail, and it seems like it's really, it sounded okay, and it goes to this waterfall. I know Donna loves waterfalls, so I'm like, okay, well, let's just try this. I mean, how long will it take us to get up there, right? Well, I mean, I didn't anticipate, you know, it may be a mile, but it doesn't say what mile in what direction. <laughs> and it was a mile straight up. And... uh so, I mean, we start going up, we go up, go up, and I mean, my heart rate is like maxed out. I'm redlined, and I'm I'm sucking air. It's just thin oxygen, and I, we 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 you know we go a little ways until I have to stop, sit down, and I let my heart rate come back down again. And we just kept doing this over and over again. And Donna's like, "Okay, what trail are we on? Because <laughs> I need to be able to tell them when I call 911 <laughs> where to find us." <laughs> And uh, so I can tell you, I have a very healthy heart, okay? There's no question about my heart is great, and uh, my cardiologist verifies that as well, but, but that trail definitely tested it. We got up to the top, and you get up to the top, and it's, a, you know, it's an alpine tundra. And you know, they tell you in, in, in the, um, when you get up to that level, don't get off the trail, because if you, if, you, if you do damage to the plants, it takes so long for them to grow there, right? They're so fragile that it can take years for them to, to grow back. But what's up there in this very rarefied atmosphere, extreme uh, climate, but beautiful alpine flowers that God here is showing and screaming in the midst of severity, his glory, his goodness, right? His steadfast love, 
his beauty. And it was a real testimony to me that what God wanted, wants, is trying to show me in my life. And I'm not there yet. I'm still in process. And, you know, and so uh, what is Crossway Community Church? This is a place where we can come and be real. We can create a space for each other to, um, where we're all in process, right? And we point ourselves, like the psalmist does, back to the goodness of God and allow him to speak to us in new and deeper ways. And that's what my prayer is for me. That's what my prayer is for you as well. Lord, um, we thank you so much for David, a man after your own heart. Lord, you chased him down, a little shepherd boy, immature, so many problems and, and weaknesses and flaws, Lord, and yet you've used this man to show us in incredibly um, clear ways your goodness, your love, your mercy, your favor, your kindness, your provision, your protection. Even in the middle, Lord, of things that feel like evil, that feel like darkness, that feel like pain, or that are disillusioning, Lord, you promise us, and matter of fact, it's not just a promise. You have already acted on, and Lord, you have already um, purchased, Lord, our salvation. And you promise to make us whole, and that's what you're in the process of doing. And so we give you the honor and the glory and the praise, and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today and listening to this message from Crossway Community Church. Once again, we meet at 1045 on Sunday mornings at 1501 Woodbury Road, which is just off Colonial and 408 in East Orlando. Come check us out. I'll see you then.